One year, I kind of got an idea. You almost try trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the fur boom. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Representing trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Perfect and Game magazine. There's structure from Perigo Gorman. Perg Lennon's articles, the Perg Lennon's ads. Information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because we're ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got variables to change the characters, you got bog they started talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't get them better. Trying to set predator traps and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like it was sheared. You better edit this part out. Yeah, it was better. This is the Trapping Today podcast. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Thank you for tuning in. We're brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z, P-R-O-S.com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. A lot of you guys have been ordering from Cots Bros. I appreciate that. Appreciate hearing from you. And nothing but positive feedback from new customers. Uh, those are great guys, great service. Check them out at CotsBros.com. We're brought to you by Fur Harvesters Auction, where the world comes to buy wild fur. It's now the only place where the world comes to buy wild fur in an auction setting with Napa Down. And Fur Harvesters is an auction house run by trappers for trappers. Great guys there, they run a good operation, and they are prepared to take a lot more fur this season. So a lot of you guys that have shipped to Napa in the past, or if you've never shipped to an auction, why don't you try them out? Go to furharvesters.com for more information, and uh, you can get back uh, with me and, and contact me as well if you need some more information on how to ship to them. Uh, but there will be more upcoming from Fur Harvesters in terms of added shipping routes and uh, and expanding of the operation. So check that out. Stay tuned for more. All right. Well, thank you guys again. It's awesome being here. As I record this, it is the middle of trapping season. So had a few lines going myself, picked up some coyotes in the early season, went into some beaver and muskrat, and now I've got the Martin and Fisher line set out. So I set that uh, on Sunday on opening day and checked the line on Thursday picked up two Martin uh, it is is looking pretty good they're starting the pelts are starting to prime up pretty good so having a lot of fun hopefully catch enough fur to pay for the gas um, and have a good time while I'm doing it so I'll I'll keep you posted on a lot of that stuff I am putting YouTube videos up on a lot of it if you you follow trapping today on YouTube uh, but uh, we'll, we'll talk in depth and detail on some of that in future episodes. Tonight we're going to talk about fur prices in the fur market. So uh, there is a lot going on this, this year in the fur market. And actually, just a little side note, I'm looking at some, all the Trapper magazines have kind of rolled in here. The uh, Trapper's Post, uh, Trapper Protocoler, which is actually still in business, believe it or not. Somebody apparently bought them out and they're still running. Uh, so so that's good. Uh, Trapper's World, 
which I always like to see that came in. And the American Trapper just got that issue, and that one's pretty awesome. We got a picture of Tom Miranda on the cover from probably back in the 80s. He was um, in front of his plane with a coyote he caught. He was running that trap line on plane. I remember the story. Uh, he um, he actually bought his plane with with trapping money. It was from selling fur, if you can believe that. Pretty incredible. But Tom has an article there in, in uh, this month's, uh, the November-December issue of the American Trapper. If you don't get that, join the National Trappers Association. You'll get it. All right, but anyway, the, there are fur market updates in all of these magazines, which are great. They're written by very experienced people, more experienced than me. Problem with them is they're not necessarily up to date, right? So <clears throat> none of them had anything about the whole NAFA going out of business thing and all the recent updates that have been going on because just be strictly due to publication uh, dates and they're really you know they have to get the issue out and printed and there's a lag time between the time they finish the issue up it gets printed and they send it out and send it to the mail and it, it gets to your door so for me there's no lag time so I can take advantage of updated information and post it up on the website uh, just as soon as I get a chance to write it down so I did write a fur market update for trappingtoday.com. So if you go on the website, it's one of the most recent posts. And it's just kind of an overview of where we're at in the market. And uh, I actually had some people getting back to me on, on that. Um, and uh, somebody wanted to, uh, was with a trapper association, wanted to repost that. And uh, absolutely feel free to repost that. Um, just provide uh, a link back to Trapping Today, let people know where it came from. But uh, glad it could help and and get that information out. So I also recorded a video on YouTube. And what I thought I would do tonight is um, I, 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 wa I want to replay that on the podcast. So I stripped the audio off of that video. It's about 20, 25 minutes long where I talk about where we're at in the fur market today. In my opinion, I'm you know I'm not uh, the foremost expert on the fur market by any means. Just the trapper who who's kind of kept up with some of the stuff and pays attention to tries to pay attention to what's going on. So uh, anyway, take that for what it's worth, but I hope this helps you out and and hope you enjoy it uh, and get some information from the fur market. I did throw out some prices. Um, could be way off, but I, you know, based on the past few years, I think we'll be pretty close. Overall, I'm pro less pessimistic than most people. Maybe that's because uh, I I never saw the the fur boom of the 70s and 80s. Maybe it's because I'm too young to be a pessimist. <laughs> I don't know. Um, maybe it's because I. I, I want things to be better in the future, but I, there are some signals that, as I interpret them, that point to uh, a better market moving forward. So with that, we'll we'll get into it, and stay tuned in the next few weeks for a bunch of stuff on, on my trap line, and also some of you guys sent me pictures of, of catches that you've made, and that was really great to see, so I'm really glad to have those, and uh, thanks very much for that. Hope you guys are all getting out trapping and having a good time, and uh, we will catch you in next episode. Thanks. All right, guys, we're going to do a fur market update for 2019-2020 fur selling and trapping season. So at trappingtoday.com, I do fur market update every year. 
I keep track of where prices are at, what the latest auction results have been. And every year before, at the beginning of trapping season, I try to give an idea of where we're at in the market, just based on where the trends have been going, what demand looks like, and all that. So this year, you know, every year there's kind of a little bit of a theme in what's going on. This year, the theme overall is, the way I put it, nothing has changed, but everything has changed. And I'll try to explain that. Nothing has changed in terms of fur prices. We're still at a very low bottom in the fur market in terms of prices. There's not a lot of demand for fur. Prices continue to be low for most items. There are some exceptions, and we'll talk about that moving forward. But in terms of the overall market structure and how fur is going to be marketed this year, everything has changed. There's been a major shakeup in the fur market. So let's get right into it. Um, just to pick up where we left off in previous updates in the past year or two, there's still not a lot of demand for wild fur. Now you might be thinking, well the economy's great, why uh, aren't people buying fur as much? Why, why is the demand low? Well the United States economy is awesome. I mean we're at, the stock market's at an all-time high, unemployment's at an all-time low, the US dollar is incredibly strong. That's all great for people in the United States, but we sell most of our fur outside of the US. And when you're exporting, um, a strong dollar is not a great thing, and weak economies in the countries that you're exporting to is not a good thing. So we've got a lack of trade, a trade deal with China that, that uh, we're dealing with. Uh, we have very weak economies in China and Russia, and we have a strong dollar, meaning that the buying power of these countries in terms of US dollars is much lower than it's been in the past. So all these things are working against wild fur and ranch fur. So the demand side continues to be poor in the fur market. Uh, but again, you have two parts of, the, uh, of every market is uh, demand and supply. Uh, the supply side is changing. So the, the, the supply of fur that's sold throughout the world the vast majority of that is ranch fur. So most of you probably already know this. Ranch fur makes up, there's a lot of estimates, but somewhere most people think around 80% of the overall fur market. So that would leave wild fur comprising about 20%. So as you would expect, what happens in ranch fur is usually gonna be what drives the market. Ranch uh, fur, or fur farmers have specific costs of production that uh, they need to meet in order to pay their bills. So they gotta take care of animals, they gotta feed them. There's a certain cost associated with every aspect of producing ranch fur. Wild fur, we have costs as well, but a lot of trappers uh, trap more on the recreational side and they're okay with getting a lower price for fur uh, to a certain extent. There are a lot of trappers who need to get a certain price or they don't trap because they lose money. But overall, the, the ranch fur market has been uh, in, in a really difficult period over the last few years. They've been losing money. And these ranches can only go on for so many years of losing money before they have to go out of business. And a lot of the ranch, uh, ranchers have pelted out. They've, they've sold all of their, um, all their stock and they're out of the business. They've run out of money. Uh, game over. 
So the supply of ranch fur, primarily uh, ranch mink and ranch fox, has gone down considerably over the past few years. Uh, there's still a backlog of that fur that still has to be sold and the prices continue to be low because of low demand, uh, but we're catching up. We're, we're working through that backlog and there aren't a lot of ranchers that are looking to up their production because there's no price incentive to do so. So a lot of people are really down in the dumps in terms of the fur market and there's a lot of reasons to be so. Uh, personally, uh, and you'll notice I wrote this on trappingtoday.com, I just put a fur market forecast together and in the writing there I talked about how I'm a little bit optimistic. I don't think things are as bad as a lot of people uh, seem to think right now. The prices are low, the market's in a tough position, but there's only one direction to go in my opinion and that's up. So I think we may start crawling out of here. I, the last few years I've been predicting that 2020 was going to be a bottom where we we're going to start to see prices come up again and uh, I'm hoping and thinking that's going to happen. Um, it's going to be slow and it's going to take a while but I think it's going to happen. Now the big news, how uh, everything has changed in the fur market, uh, how fur is being sold is going to change a lot this year. North American Fur Auctions, the largest auction house uh, for a while that's selling both ranch fur and wild fur in the world. Uh, out of business. NAFA is filing for bankruptcy protection and they're pretty much out, out of the game. NAFA will not be taking any wild fur for 2020. Um, so this is a big deal. A lot of trappers including myself have shipped fur to NAFA. I don't send a lot there but um, a lot of trappers send a lot of fur to NAFA. Now the question is there's a lot of fur that's there that hasn't sold and a lot of trappers are wondering if they're ever going to get paid for that because um, nobody's really quite certain how this bankruptcy uh, proceeding is going to work and who's going to get paid first. So that is a, that's a big problem for a lot of people. That started when a lot of uh, checks were being uh, checks from the last auction were bouncing, and trappers got in touch uh, with NAFA trying to figure out what was going on. Then there was an announcement that. We're going to reissue the checks, we're going to get financing, everything's going to be good. And then a follow-up announcement after a few weeks, oh yeah, we couldn't get financing, um, we're pretty much done. So what's happened is Saga or Saga Furs, which is a Finland-owned company, a Finnish company that primarily works in uh, ranch mink and ranch fox, has bought the ranch or is going to buy the ranch portion of NAFA's business. They have no interest in the wild fur. So wild fur is kind of left out to dry, if you will. So all the furs that went to NAFA, where are they gonna go? There's a lot of trappers that are still going to produce fur and need to sell it somewhere. The country fur buyers, most of them are not around anymore. There's a few left, but a lot of the fur buyers in the country would buy your fur and they would ship it to NAFA. And so that outlet is not there anymore. So it's gonna make that more challenging. Fur Harvesters Auction is still in business and they're going strong, they're doing very well. See, one of the problems with NAFA, as far as I can tell, is they overextended um, themselves uh, in this down market and they apparently provided a lot of backing for struggling mink ranchers and got themselves, uh, along with these ranchers, in a lot of debt that uh, they couldn't work their way out of because prices have not recovered. 
So uh, fur harvesters uh, specializes in wild fur. They sell the bulk of what they sell is wild fur. And they appear to be uh, adhering by some very strong business practices and they're doing a good job managing their finances even in the low market. So FHA is ready to go and they're gearing up, they're going to add capacity and expect to take a lot more fur. Uh, and a lot of the fur that NAFA uh, used to take should be going to fur harvesters. So stay tuned for more on that. They did, if you go to furharvesters.com, they did issue an update for trappers and they're gonna add receiving areas and, and receiving dates and routes uh, throughout the country. So they're, they're looking to gear up. Grownwald Fur and Wool Company is, uh, out of the Midwest and they run routes all over the country. They are gearing up to increase the number of routes they run. They usually don't go to the Northeast. They're looking to go to the Northeast this year. They're also looking to run routes into Canada. So that's something to stay tuned on. Grunwald is probably going to be buying a lot more fur this year. And there's other guys like uh, uh, Xander Fur, Petska Fur Company. There's a lot of medium to small sized companies that will probably be buying more fur. Uh, to make up for uh, the NAFA downfall. So that's where the market has changed a lot. Um, but overall, we are gonna be, continue to be in a low market. Uh, one other thing that I did wanna talk about, and then we're gonna go into specific prices for individual species. Uh, but the, the idea of fur as, as a fashion item versus fur as a utility, and there is a big difference. So fur as a fashion item is is typically something that's driven by, uh, you know, fashion trends, which have to do with uh, how people feel and how something looks and culturally how it's accepted. So if something becomes popular, some popular people start wearing this certain fashion item, it becomes fashionable, more people wanna wear it, more people see their friends wearing this thing, they wanna wear it, they, it just demand grows and grows and grows. It becomes a trend, a fad, something that's around is extremely popular and then oftentimes that fashion trend goes away and it's followed by a different trend. High fashion is something that can attract extremely high prices for uh, fur. And an example of like a high fashion item, that's it's kind of a trend but it's been going on for a long time, is the fur items that are made from the bellies of bobcats, primarily western bobcats that have those really white bellies with distinct black spots uh, throughout them. And that is uh, a very popular in Russia and it's very high-end, very expensive items uh, that are sold um, with that fur. That's what drives the bobcat market and that's why we were seeing bobcats a few years ago averaging upwards of $700 to $1,000 a piece for those Western cats. So that's kind of high fashion. Uh, more moderate, medium type of fashion would be Canada Goose uh, parkas, uh, down parkas that are lined or trimmed with coyote uh, fur. And so the hood of the parka would have coyote fur trim on it. Uh, those coats are like $800 a piece. So they're not like thousands and thousands of dollars, they're affordable, but they're also pretty high end in terms of average Joe isn't gonna be buying one of those coats. So they're kind of middle of the road. But that's a fashion trend and that has driven the coyote market, which we'll, we'll go into in a minute. Then you have fur as a utility. And fur as a utility is 
wear fur is, is less of a fashion statement and it's more of, I wear this to keep warm. And that can be part of the culture. You know, in Russia, uh, people wear fur all the time. It's just kind of part of their culture. It's a big deal. And it's usually low, more medium to lower end items that the average middle class person can afford. And so uh, those utility items are, are driven, while the fashion is, is usually driven by the higher end of society that can afford things, even in a tough market and a tough economy, those people have enough money that they, they can afford it all, at all times. The, the utility side of things, you know, fur is just a little bit expensive and the economy is really poor and people aren't making a lot of money. That can really hurt consumption of fur as a utility item. So those are some things to think about. Um, it seems as though fur has gotten away from fashion over the past few decades and gone more to utility in emerging markets and developing countries uh, like China, Russia, Korea, and other similar places uh, where it used to be fashion more in the United States, uh, Italy, um, and, and places like that. So it's something that's a long-term trend to think about. But fashion versus utility, always, always want to consider what things are being used for and how different economic drivers can affect that. So let's go into some individual prices for specific items. First, I wanna mention coyote. And it's always nice to start on a good note because coyote prices have been really good for the past few years. And that's probably going to continue. There's no reason that this trend with Canada goose parkas is going to slow down anytime this season. Uh, Canada goose has a lot of demand. They're still growing. The stock price um, struggled a little bit a few months ago, but it seems to be bouncing back and. And they're selling, they're selling stuff. Um, they're in pretty good shape going into the holiday season, as far as as we can tell. So the western coyotes, um, the really soft fur, the the high quality prime pelts, are probably going to average right between seventy and hundred dollars. And this is going to depend on you know the auctions and what the demand is at, at a particular time. But I think you can you can depend on seventy to hundred dollars. Maybe a country buyer, you might be looking at 60 to 70, a little more on the lower end of that, um, but, but those are gonna be strong. Now, on, on the mid, the mid coyotes would be more of like, say, western coyotes that are caught early in the season, or your prime coyotes that are from places like the Northeast US or Ontario, where the, the pelt is a little bit different, the hair is coarse and longer, and it's not as soft. Those coyotes kind of fill the market where um, the people who are trying to make these imitation coats to be similar to Canada Goose but cheaper, the more utility market or the copycat fashion, those are becoming quite popular in China. Um, those, when the demand for the higher end coyotes has kind of been eaten up most of that available market, uh, a lot of those uh, will a lot of those buyers will go in and buy the medium to lower quality coyotes, and that drives the price up for everybody. So those Northeast coyotes, I'm, I'm guessing right now we're gonna be looking at somewhere in the $40 range, and they could advance up to 50, depending on demand. And then your Southern coyotes and all what's left in the sort of the uh, Midwest, uh, we're probably looking at around 15 to $30, and that's gonna depend on, on where, we're at, where we're at, what particular auction uh, you're in, but uh, it, it's probably going to be 
be closer to 30 than it is to 15, uh, if I was to guess. Uh, let's move on to Beaver. So we, we go from really good news to really bad news. Although Beaver, I think we've all kind of come to accept the fact that Beaver is not going to sell for much money. They haven't, uh, they haven't been a fashion item. Uh, beaver, fur, and coats, and other sort of utility or fashion or hats, it's just not happening right now. Uh, no one has uh, deemed it worth going into the high cost of dressing beaver and producing uh, fur products out of beaver when they can just use cheap ranch mink. Um, so the, the beaver, really the, the hatter market or the market where basically they take beaver pelts, they buy them by the pound and they grind them up and they make this felt that they use to make uh, cowboy hats like uh, the Stetson cowboy hats. That's made out of, out of beaver felt. So that's what we call the hatter market. That, there's always demand, but they don't pay much for those pelts. And for a hatter beaver, you get almost as much for a southern, uh, lower quality, not unprime pelt, as you will for a northern, fully prime beaver pelt, which is kind of sad for those high-end beaver pelts. Uh, but that's kind of where we're at. So. If, if the hatter market continues to be the only market, the only game in town, we're going to continue to see averages of $10 to $14 on beaver. However, there can be some advances here. If we start to see the ranch mink uh, supply going down, we start to see a little bit more demand pick up, uh, I think we can see $15 to $20 beavers for those eastern uh, higher quality prime pelts. Uh, last year for harvesters, auction averaged $18 for those beaver in their last auction. So there was some demand there and I think that could happen again. I think more likely than not uh, toward the end of the first selling season, maybe next March uh, or, or beyond, I think we're gonna see beavers creep up a little bit. But we'll, that remains to be seen. Uh, caster, as long as beaver the beaver harvest remains low, the caster price is gonna remain high. We're probably gonna be looking at 50 to $70 a pound depending on grade. Muskrat, expect an average of somewhere around $3 to start the season. Uh, we could see $3.50 to $4. Um, I don't think muskrat are going to get much lower than $3, and I don't think they're going to get much higher than $4 or $5. Um, there could be some advancement. Uh, muskrat are often substituted for ranch mink, uh, but there's still a lot of ranch mink on the market. As we move through the ranch mink, uh, muskrat may, may start to advance a little bit. But three to four is probably a safe number. Now, wild mink um, haven't done good at all for a very long time, and I expect that'll probably continue. Uh, we should see around five five dollars for females, around eight ten dollars for males. Uh, could come up just a little bit. Otter expect twenty to thirty dollars. That's been our average for a very long time. Otter really depend on uh, specific uses and specific fashion trends that would drive that market. And about uh, seven or eight years ago, eight or 10 years ago, there was a big boom in the auto market that was driven by fashion. And we haven't seen that since. It dropped off and it's continued to drop off. But it seems to have hit a floor around 20, 20 to $25, maybe 30. Raccoon, so raccoon is a, a case where, you know, otter, basically all otter are worth the same all over the country for the most part. Um, size they'll differ a little bit but raccoon is the exact opposite raccoon has a wide variety of sizes quality and price 
and the bigger, thicker, heavier raccoon, which you typically find like in the upper Midwest, like uh, maybe Minnesota and Iowa, places like that, those are your higher quality coon, and those are starting to see some demand. Um, they're actually, they're being used for some trim on those, those uh, parkas. They, uh, there's some, a little bit of a coat market there, I believe is developing, not much, but uh, so those higher quality coon are seeing some demand and that's increasing a little bit. I'm thinking a safe average for those uh, bigger, better coon is probably 10 to $15. Um, now, as you go down in size, as you go down in quality of pelt, uh, it drops off substantially. Uh, the rest, the lower end coons, uh, maybe are going to average $5 or less. Some of them probably won't even have uh, any demand at all, so you may not be able to sell them at all. So coon is a case where you know you may want to be pretty selective in how you harvest them um, if you have that option. Uh, Red Fox, 10 to $15, really disappointing market. There are some that'll go over 20, uh, some of the real cherry reds. Uh, in their, their specific fox like uh, Northeast and Maine we have a few fox that'll do well. There are places like uh, the Western States where you have, if you get a really nice fox you can get $25, $30 for it. But 10 to 15 is probably going to be about it for now uh, until things start to change a little bit. Bobcat. Now Bobcat is similar to Coon. You have really high-end Bobcat and then you have the rest. And so there's going to be a big price difference and the buyers seem to be getting pickier and pickier and pickier the last few auctions where they only want the best quality cats with the best bellies, the clear bellies with, with the distinct spots. And they're, they're being more choosy because there seem to be a few less buyers, a few, a little bit less demand, and uh, there's quite a bit of supply on the market relative to demand. So those cats, um, a safe number is in the three to $400 range for those Western Bobcats that are some of the best ones out there. The rest of the cats, you're probably looking at 30 to $60 for most other parts of the country, Southern, Northeast, uh, the Canadian cats, some of them might might be higher than that, and then some of the, the second grade uh, Western cats, you may be maybe $100, $200 here and there, but there's not a lot of those. You're going to have a lot of high end and a lot of low end. Uh, Lynx, Martin, and Fisher, uh, they're, they're going to continue to struggle, although I, again, just like a lot of these other items, I don't see prices going any lower than they've been the past year or two. And, and I think the only place to go from here is up. Um, that being said, links links should be $150, $200 in a, in a normal market. They've been $60 to $70. So they've been less than half of what they've been, what they were five, six years ago. And I would expect links to continue to sell at $60 to $70 averages uh, throughout this year. Um, later in the year, that could advance uh, depending on what the market does and how that unfolds, like I've said on all these other items. Uh, Martin, there's been good demand for Martin until the last auction of the season this past year, and things really tanked. They dropped off a cliff. The demand just wasn't there. I'm not really sure why. Uh, there just there just didn't seem to be uh, enough buyers interested in the Martin that were for sale, and unfortunately prices went way way down. The Alaskan Martin, they were getting uh, close to $100 a couple years ago. Uh, they were dropped down to $60 to $70. 
and that last auction was even lower than that. Uh, that would put our northeast margin at twenty to forty dollars between you know the northeast and main parts of Ontario and uh, and New Brunswick, as well as your margin in the western states like Wyoming and Montana um, and Idaho. Twenty to forty dollars. That's probably where we're going to start out this season. And then uh, the Alaskan Martin, we may be looking at fifty to sixty dollars. But this market has potential to climb pretty quickly to back to that seventy to a hundred dollars um, if we get the right situation and, and the market starts to unfold. We'll just have to kind of see how that all plays out. Fisher bounces around a lot. It has bounced around a lot the past few years. Um, so there, there's a wide range in Fisher prices. I think they could go as low as twenty dollars, twenty-five dollars. Um, they probably won't go much higher than forty to forty-five. So I know that's a wide range. Uh, I would expect closer to the $40 price target, um, but we're going to have to see how things how things go with Fisher prices. So that's what I have overall. I know there's a few other fur items, but uh, really, you know, skunk. Uh, there won't be much. Five bucks maybe for skunk possum. You might not be able to sell them. Maybe a dollar or two. Uh, the gray fox maybe ten or fifteen dollars. Weasels, you know, it's just going to depend. Um, it ain't going to be much. But uh, the good news is, I think these prices that I'm quoting are going to be on the low end. They're, these are realistic prices, and I think there's going to be room for advancement as we go throughout the season. So I'll be sure to keep you updated. Uh, one thing to expect don't expect much information on fur prices coming out of the gate here. There's state auctions. Uh, those are going to be going on, and I'll provide updates as the state auctions unfold. Usually, like Maine and Vermont have early auctions. A lot of states don't have auctions till January, February, and March. But we'll keep you updated on that on trappingtoday.com. And then you have like Grunwalds people. You know, I'll know a few trappers here and there that'll give reports on what they what they got for their their furs. But most of these early season, other than guys like Grinwald who have a ready market and they know what they can pay, a lot of these country buyers and the smaller buyers are gonna be speculating. And they've been burned the past few years, so they're not gonna be willing to pay much on speculation. So I would say that you're not gonna know the true price until the first major auctions. And those fur harvesters is not gonna have an auction until March. So we're not gonna know a lot this entire season. So it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of, we're gonna to have to be patient to kind of watch things play out and see how, how things go. Um, but I'll do my best to keep you updated. Get out there, set some traps, have fun. Most importantly, it's not all about the money. It's about being outside. It's about, for a lot of us, managing fur bearer populations at healthy levels, getting out and enjoying trapping, learning about the animals, getting in the woods. Um, and, and yeah, maybe we'll pay the gas. At these prices, we'll still be able to pay the gas. Um, we ain't going to get rich, but we're not in it for the money anyway, right? All right, guys, thanks very much for tuning in, and uh, we'll be sure to keep you updated with future videos. Take care.